Welcome to the second episode of Thread and Roses, a lifestyle podcast about the intersection of fashion, ecology, and consumerism. I'm Erin Schulenberg, your host, a recent textile and fashion design graduate from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Today, we're going to be talking about navigating the fashion industry and sustainability terms. So basically, to say that simply, we're going to be talking about definitions. I think a lot of the definitions centered around ethical and sustainable fashion, see, I just threw out two right there, are really confusing. And I kind of want to lay the groundwork for uh, this season moving forward by, you know, talking about what these terms are and how they relate to what we're going to be talking about. And I also think it's important to distinguish these terms from each other so we can be more informed and aware consumers and as well as, as citizens. It's just going to set up the season for a more informed understanding. So let's dive right in. The first definition I want to talk to you guys about is ethical. What does ethical mean? So I did some digging on my laptop and I, I looked at our... Uh, lovely dictionary. And I'm going to give you guys the dictionary definition of these words. And then also we're going to move into a little bit more research um, and my thoughts on these definitions as well. So ethical, avoiding activities or organizations that do, do harm to people or the environment. So basically, you know, you don't want to buy from places that are causing people harm by paying, you know, either they're paying them like crap or they have terrible working conditions, things like that if we're relating it to fashion. Uh, there was a nice quote from the Ethical Fashion Forum that says, ethical fashion represents an approach to the design, sourcing, and manufacture of clothing, which maximizes benefits to people and communities while minimizing impact on the environment. So if we break this down, basically we're trying to, you know, improve people's lives while also, you know, not hurting the environment, which is a good thing. And I also found another quote that I really liked what it was talking about. And it said, if you describe something as ethical, you mean that it is morally right or morally acceptable. So if we bring morals into this, thinking about what is just the right thing to do, I think is really important. And in terms of ethical fashion, it's all about making choices, <clears throat> whether something is better or worse. You want to make the best decision you can. And for the Ethical Fashion Forum, the meaning of ethical goes beyond doing no harm. And, and it represents an approach which strives to take an active role in poverty reduction, sustainable livelihood creation, minimizing and counteracting environmental concerns. So kind of just summing up what we just talked about. The next huge definition I want to get into is sustainable. This one is loaded, you guys. So sustainable. The dictionary definition is avoidance of the depletion of natural resources in order to maintain an ecological balance. So basically, this obviously relates to the environment most heavily. But the biggest thing I want to talk about here is that the challenge with sustainability is that everything we produce is technically not sustainable. I find that absolutely hilarious. So I want to go into a couple of my favorite people in this world and kind of their thoughts 
on sustainability and how they see it uh, for this industry. So one of my favorite designers is Faustine Steinmetz. And if you guys haven't looked her up or heard of her, her designs are incredible. She does a lot with weaving and indigo um, and sustainability, actually. But she was quoted saying, at first, I really set out to be a sustainable label, but I came to the conclusion when I was doing my research that nothing is sustainable. You can only be responsible, really. This is so true. I absolutely agree with this because responsible is meaning that you're making decisions that hopefully will be better choices for the environment and people, kind of like ethical fashion. But she's saying, basically, if you're going to start a new label, it's not going to be sustainable because you're putting new products into the world. Uh, I have another quote from the founder of Patagonia, Yvonne Chenard, and I think he would absolutely agree with what Faustine Steinmetz was saying. He quotes, I can think of only a few examples of truly sustainable economic endeavors that can be done in any way other than on a micro scale. These are selective forestry, fishing, and small-scale agriculture. He also says, the word sustainable is another one of those words like gourmet and adventure that have been so overused and misused as to become meaningless. Sustainable development is far from sustainable, and gourmet hamburgers need not very tasty to be so named. So I think what he's getting at here is there's not a lot of industries that can actually be sustainable on these mass production scales that everything is trying to be under capitalism. So really, you know, you need thoughtful decision-making and mission-driven business practices that can and will lead to better ways to do business. But I want to reiterate that we should not mistake any form of capitalism as being sustainable because it's not. The Ethical Fashion Forum also had a little bit to weigh on on this topic. They said that we believe that a business or initiative is not sustainable unless the triple bottom line is integrated at the core of business practices and policy from board level to studio, shop, or factory floor. So they're really getting into the same thing here where if you just focus on the dollars, things aren't going to be sustainable. They're not going to be ethical. But if you institute the triple bottom line, focusing more on your people and everybody working for your company and other ways that your company might be harming or not harming the environment, it's going, it's going to be a better business initiative. In addition, I, one event that I hope to attend some year is the Copenhagen Fashion Summit. So this year they hosted it again and they had seven priorities for action towards a more sustainable fashion industry that were discussed at this year's summit. So I wanted to just run through these uh, seven priorities quickly so you guys can kind of hear what are the big focuses for the industry. So the first one is supply chain traceability, then efficient use of water, energy, and chemicals, respectful and secure working environments, sustainable material mixes, a closed-loop fashion system, which actually I'll be doing a whole episode on in the future, promotion of better wage systems, and the fourth industrial revolution. So if we just think about those seven things I just said, those are huge. And all of these obviously would lead to a more sustainable and ethical fashion industry, but they're not small things to tackle. And I think that we should keep in mind that when 
you're talking about such large changes to be made, it's going to take some time and it's really going to take everybody involved to make a difference. They were saying that these should really be top of mind for fashion industry CEOs. But my thought is like, we need to put pressure on these companies and on CEOs to actually instigate change because otherwise it's just going to sit. And we have seen improvements in the industry. We're moving, we're moving in a good direction, but my question for all of us is, are we moving in the correct direction because it's the right thing to do? Or are we moving in the correct direction because currently that is what is on trend and what is the movement and what consumers currently want? So I'm curious to see if this is going to continue to be something that we care about. We as in, you know, the industry, or if it'll shift depending on what consumers tend to see as their main priorities. So we'll stay tuned for that. The next definition I want to get into, which is kind of a tricky one, and I think this one gets confused a lot, is transparency or transparent companies. So I want to state off the bat that a transparent company does not mean that they are necessarily ethical or sustainable, but I do think that it paves the way towards more sustainable and ethical processes for that company. So a good example of a transparent company is Everlane. So they, they do as much as they can to provide the customer or consumer with as much information about the product and where it's made and how it was produced on their website, which is super helpful because then we, can, we have a little insight as to what's going on um, behind the garment kind of, or like what the processes were to get it to us, which is great. That's, that's really awesome. And I think the fashion revolution agrees. Uh, just briefly segueing, uh, Fashion Revolution Week was this previous week, which is a chance for consumers really to ask the brands that they have who made their clothes and you know, really instigating change for more transparent industry, which is amazing. Uh, they said that we believe transparency is the first step to transform the industry. And it starts with one simple question, who made my clothes? So my thought is that this, as I was saying before, this puts more power in the hands of the consumers. It, it allows us to really like think about what we're doing in terms of purchasing decisions and also just gives us a chance to think about everything that goes into what we wear and everything that's behind it. Because if we just think about the product itself, I don't think we're ever going to get there because, you know, we can talk about how beautiful a top is, but if we don't think about, you know, the people that are making it and what their lives are like and what the conditions are like for them, we're not going to see as much change. So, Another thing they were mentioning is that the lack of transparency can really cost lives, which is kind of what I was getting at. It is impossible for companies to make sure human rights are respected, working conditions are adequate, and the environment is safeguarded without knowing where their products are made. That is why transparency is essential. So basically, transparency is a way for the consumer to have a light shown into these companies that they're buying from which in turn could create the pressure we need to actually instigate change in the industry. And if we know about the facilities where our clothes are being made and we have access to this information, 
then we can hold accountable the industry for these, you know, bad or vice versa, good practices that hopefully can be continued. And it just allows people to really pain, like plainly see what is going on and it allows them to formulate their own opinions instead of being, being, uh, I guess, thrown at with thoughts that they should have or shouldn't have based on a brand's messaging. It allows them the choice to either accept it, ignore it, or actually confront it and do something about it. And people deserve this choice to be able to make, you know, instigate change or not. And right now the industry is, is basically hiding this from people. And so they can't make their own decisions, which is extremely frustrating. So that's my push for why companies should be more transparent um, about what they're doing behind the closed doors. Moving forward, green is our next definition. So definition of green is make less harmful or more sensitive to the environment. So when I actually, when I looked this up, (laughs) I found articles dating back to 2008, 2009, and there really wasn't a lot of new articles centered around the specific definition of like green fashion, which, you know, I could be wrong, but this tells me that green or the definition of saying things are green was kind of a fad and green is really not the new black right now. Clean is the new black. So what I, what I want you guys to get from this is that you should really pay attention to how language can shape different movements because it, it, it totally makes a difference. You know, it was green before and now it's moving into, you know, clean fashion, clean eating. So I encourage you to think about what, what could be the next term that on some levels means the same way, but in different ways it has shifted, you know, as well. Next, organic clothing. So this is a big one that I think can be a little bit confusing because, you know, like what part of it is organic you know, what is, what does organic really mean? So organic clothing can be considered clean clothing, but organic is not always the best option either. Uh, organic does reduce the amount of toxic chemicals used in like the production of different fabrics and products. Um, but there has been research calling the organic compounds used in these processes, possible carcinogens according to a writer for Quartz named Mark Bain. And organic organic cotton has also been linked to higher greenhouse gas emissions and debatably uses as much or more water than regular cotton production. And this is really difficult to trace in the supply chain, which is why I'm not necessarily saying that organic clothing or organic cotton is bad, but I think that we can't just be like, oh, all organic clothing is better than, you know, everything else. Basically, all I all I want us to do is just really read between the lines and get the facts so we can understand truly what it means for something to be organic. And then again, we have the opportunity to make the choice about whether we feel that is better or not better. So that kind of leads into what is eco-friendly which again, you could, you could pair eco-friendly green and sustainable all up next to each other and say they mean the same thing, but they've all been used in different contexts. Eco-friendly's definition is not harmful to the environment. So that could really be applicable for a lot of products, not just, obviously not just the fashion industry, but 
I, I just want you guys to be aware of all these different definitions and how they may be applicable in different contexts. Moving on to conscious living. So I want to give you the definition of conscious first so we can fully understand what that means. And then we can get into a little bit later what you know clean living is and as well as what is conscious consumerism. So conscious, deliberate and intentional, having knowledge of something, being aware. So conscious, I think is a really important definition, but we can't use it as like a blanket statement or we don't want to belittle what it it really means because I think to be conscious means that you're thoughtful and and you put a lot of good intention behind what you're thinking about and you do your research and you think thoroughly about something, which is really important when we're talking about the fashion industry because being conscious allows you to make better decisions. And I think really all this is really all about is, is us making better decisions and us being able to think for ourselves. Clean living is, is quite similar. You know, it's clean is free from pollutants or unpleasant substances. Uh, and that kind of, this kind of leads me into what conscious consumerism and conscious and clean living really is. Um, there's an article that I absolutely suggest you guys read. It's called conscious consumerism is a lie. It's by Alden Wicker. She's actually a, an eco fashion blogger and she's absolutely incredible. So if you guys get a chance, I would check out our website and also I would absolutely check out this, this article. I'll put it in the, the notes for the episode um, afterwards. So there's a couple main points I wanted to talk about that were pulled out of this article that she wrote. The first would be she talks about voting, the voting with your dollar argument and how you know we love to think that we have power as consumers to use you know our dollars to make choices, you know, which with where we purchase and how we use that money. But her biggest thing about this is basically that it, yes, it is great when you, you know, choose to spend your money, when you choose to spend your money on smaller brands, like ethical and sustainable brands that are really doing good things for the industry, because it does keep them afloat and and keeps them moving in the right direction. But the brands that we're not affecting are these huge conglomerates that are basically running the industry and the economy. And these brands, they don't, they don't freaking care if, if you don't spend money at their company, they don't, they don't need it. So basically she's saying that like voting with your dollars sometimes kind of bogus because you can't affect enough change as an individual on these huge companies, which is, they're really who runs everything. So it's just something to keep in mind. Um, you know, it's it kind of sucks to realize that, but there's other ways that we can be smart and use ourselves as individuals to really actually make a difference. And her argument for that is that really our most effective strategy is investing our time, money, and energy in local politics and the community. Because if we can affect... Uh, political change and policy change, that is going to be the best move forward opposed to just making purchasing choices. And another thing I really wanted to touch on that she speaks about in the article is how, you know, a good deal of the ethical and sustainable fashion movement is actually quite privileged. And I don't think that this is something people talk about enough because it requires 
quite a bit of capital to buy these products because they're just more expensive, which makes sense because when you produce things fairly and you, you pay your workers a fair wage and you give them good working conditions and good hours, these items are going to be inevitably more expensive. But if you increase the costs of things, then those people that can have accessibility to these products and the ability to purchase them, it's going to shrink. And I think that this is something that this this movement really needs to tackle and find better solutions for. And I understand, you know, there's also buying like used clothing or like vintage or secondhand, which is great. Like that's a great additional sustainable option. But moving forward, I think that this industry really needs to tackle how they're going to approach the the average citizen, someone who can't afford this and possibly knows nothing about this because they have their own lives and they're probably, you know, they probably work a lot, working hard to just make money for themselves or their families. And they don't have time to dedicate to all this research and information about sustainable and ethical fashion. So I guess my question for this industry as well as myself is how can we make it more accessible to people, all types of people, all people, people from all different walks of life. Because I don't think right now we're doing as good of a job as we could be. In addition to the conscious consumer conversation, I've actually found an article when I was researching about how people aren't always actually choosing the greener and better choice, which to me, that means that it it really starts with what the product is, that the product has to be a good product in order for people to purchase it. And it has to be for good value. Otherwise they're not going to make the greener and better choice, you know, or they just downright can't afford it per our conversation before, you know? And I think that that's, that's something we have to keep in mind. Like what actually gets people to make these better or greener purchasing decisions and how can we encourage more people to do that? There was an article from Green Strategy that talks about like this, the seven questions that we should ask ourselves before making a purchasing decision. And I thought this was interesting. So if we are going to, you know, we, we all have to buy things like we have to eat, we have to, you know, get those daily items that we use every day from the store. So if we're going to have to make purchasing decisions because we live in a capitalist society, then there are several things that, you know, you should ask yourself before purchasing. So I just wanted to quickly go through these so we can just make more informed decisions. First of all, you have to ask yourself, is it desirable? You know, is it really going to do what you need it to do? Is it durable? The the best thing you can do is buy things that are going to last a long time and be extremely functional because then you don't have to continue purchasing the same thing over and over again. Is it remarkable? You know, is it something that you're not going to get tired of over time? Is it reusable? So in terms of reusability, you know, should you buy the paper towels that you throw in the garbage every day or is there a better solution to that? Is it recyclable? I think it's better to find items that you can recycle that don't have to just, you know, go into a landfill or go into your trash because recycling things means that it's better for the environment. 
is it made of renewable or biodegradable materials? So that kind of goes into, is it recyclable? Because if it can biodegrade, that's going to be a lot better for the environment than if it's just, you know, made of plastic and it's going to sit along side the earth for years and years and years and never uh, decompose. And lastly, is it sustainable or ethically produced? So that just goes into our previous conversations during this podcast. You know, what are the labor conditions of the people making the product? Are there environmental complications or things that should be mentioned or thought about when producing the product? So those are kind of just a set of questions that I think everybody can ask themselves when they do have to make these purchasing decisions because sometimes it's tough and you do you we have to all buy things. So if we do need to buy things, you know, how can we be more informed and make the right choices? And not necessarily even right, but better choices. All right, guys, those are the definitions I have for you this week. Uh, Just to recap, we talked about what, you know, ethical means, like what ethical and sustainable fashion, what it means for a company to be transparent or have transparency, Um, kind of the differences between green, organic, eco-friendly, and how those relate to sustainability or can be similar. And then we got into a little bit about conscious and clean living as well as conscious consumerism and how you can make informed purchasing decisions. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Next week, we're actually going to get into fair trade and what fair trade is. We're going to have a special guest from Serve, which Serve is a fair trade nonprofit company located in Madison, Wisconsin. So that's going to be an awesome interview. You guys should tune in next week to hear about that. I'm super excited uh, to do that episode for you guys. So before I sign off, we got a fiber word of the week. We got a theme going here too. So once we've get, gotten through a couple episodes, I want to see if you guys can pick up on the theme of these uh, words I've been pulling out. So the fiber word of the week is sandwich blend, a method of preparing fiber mixtures by layering them in horizontally alternating layers with all elements in the proper proportion. Vertical sections are cut and fed to the next machine in the process where the blending is effected. So what I imagine when I think about this is like on a microscopic level, all fibers being sandwiches. And you know what that means, you guys? Fibers are a sandwich. The game's over. I don't even know what to do anymore. Fibers are a sandwich. Anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm Erin Schulenberg, and you've been listening to Thread and Roses. What can you learn today that will change the world tomorrow? This podcast was created by Aaron Schoenberg and produced by Ethan McLeod. Music by Kofi. 